Well, hello, Crossing Church. How are you guys doing? Can I say it that way? Like I used to stand on this stage and say it that way all the time. Would it be better if I said, hello, collective? How are y'all doing? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Everybody good tonight? I hope you're great tonight. Here's what I want to know before we even get started. Because um, like you all don't know me and I barely know any of you all. I, like I've met like five people so far who were like in elementary school when I was here. And then a couple of you who were actually in my youth group. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Josh and uh, I pastored here a long time ago, a long time ago. So here's what I want to know as we get started. Who here is in college, like actually taking classes? Okay. All right. Then let me try to try this a little different. Uh, I met somebody from Hannibal LaGrange. Who's in Hannibal LaGrange? Okay. Oh, like a little segregated over here. I see how we are. <laughs> so this is all Hannibal LaGrange. No, 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 no. They, they back there is what you say, Hannibal LaGrange. Okay. All right. And then is Culver Stockton. Oh, okay. And, and then I saw a couple of y'all. All right. Is, uh, I don't know, John Wood. Anybody John Wood in here? Okay. A couple of you over here. And I don't know if Quincy University is here. Okay. Okay. I don't know if there's any other colleges around here. Who's just working for a living right now? Okay, so the rest of you. All right, colleges, just curious, like, like finals next week? Y'all like done. You have one class for five hours a day. She's not passing, it's okay. <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I, I get it. So I know finals is coming for some of you all, all right, and, and stuff like that. Um, man, as we get started, are, are y'all okay if I'm down here? Can you see me okay? Good, we good? I don't know your name. You're AB? All right, AB. Are you, is that a sorority or fraternity? Or? Well, I know you wouldn't be in a sorority, but I didn't know if it was just like, you're like, I'm wearing it from a girl or something. I don't know what it is. Okay. All right, AB. I got you now. Um, so to catch you guys up to speed, man. Okay. I get you. I get you. I'm just looked at a clock. All right. Um, I'll get there. Um, but to catch you up to speed, like I said, I lived here back in 2002 uh, through 2013. Uh, my son graduated from Quincy High, my daughter graduated from Quincy High, and um, my young ones, they graduated from the East Coast because I now live in the beach of Myrtle Beach. Anybody been to Myrtle Beach? Yes. Not too bad, is it? Not to, it's like a good place to hang out, all right? So I'm there, um, and I love it. I loved my time in Quincy. I loved pastoring at this church, um, doing student ministry and kids ministry and things of that nature. Just absolutely loved it. Um, but God took us there. Now, before he took us there, I had an opportunity to be the, the student pastor of two of your leaders, uh, Corey Hollensteiner and Josh Bailey, all right? And... and um, <laughs> I, I don't know where they're at right now. They probably left because they knew I'd probably say something. But, um, and I did hear this is going live out to the internet, so good for Corey. Um, 
the first time I met Corey was actually on the basketball court down in the gymnasium. And, um, you know, he dropped a few words down there, you know, but, you know, this dude's playing basketball. I, I get it. And his friend invited him to come to youth group uh, that week. And he showed up at our youth group on a Wednesday night. And uh, we had youth group, preach, worship, stuff like that. He came up to me, and I'm going to change his language just a little bit, but I think you'll be able to understand what he said. He literally came up to me. Do you mind if I shake your hand? Okay, he, he came up to me, he goes, dude, or actually he said it this way, dang, this crap is good. And you can understand dang and crap is not what he said. Like, like in the middle of youth group, like as soon as we over, he's like, he's like, dang, this crap was good tonight. I'm coming back. I was like, Corey, it's the perfect place for you. Now, I don't know if he's changed much, but hopefully, you know, a little bit. But, and then there was Josh Bailey, and Josh Bailey, uh, you know, I, I, he kind of came into the youth group when he was in seventh, eighth grade, and I remember the, his freshman year of high school, he really got involved. And uh, w- with Bailey, I'll tell some stories about him a little bit later. Um, but, but he and I have had the, tra- uh, the, the good fortune of traveling all over America. Uh, he's been up to Lake Erie with me, uh, got, in, got in Lake Erie in January. That's kind of cold. Um, he's been to the West Coast with me in the Pacific Ocean. Are, are you from the West Coast? Oh, yes, sir. Where are you from? Get out! I've been there a few times. So anyway, um, so, so just loved being their youth pastor and, and everybody else and people like Lindsay and just loved that time I got to spend here. And, and, and I, I left because of a calling on God uh, that, that I felt like God had on my life um, to do more student ministry. And this is going to sound weird, all right? Uh, I'm technically the lead pastor at the church that I serve in Myrtle Beach. Um, but the only reason I'm a lead pastor is I wanted to do more student ministry. That, that I literally, I felt a calling on God to say that I need to go and be a lead pastor so I can take the whole church um, in, a, in a direction of student and young adult ministry. And uh, so still today, while I'm there, I, I, I lead, you know, from a, a lead pastor seat. But, but everything I'm trying to do is for young adults and teenagers. And the senior citizens in our church, they love it. But they know that I'm going to spend the majority of my time with students and young adults. On Sunday nights, we have a thing very similar to this um, that, that a bunch of young adults come to, and, and I love just going to it every Sunday night. Um, I have the good fortune. I serve as the chaplain uh, at Coastal Carolina uh, University for their baseball team, and I also help out with their football team and a couple other uh, um, of, of the sports teams. Uh, so, so I just love it. I love working with young adults. So when, when Corey and Josh asked if I would come and share, I was like, absolutely. Because to be able to stand in front of a group like this, I mean, it just does my heart well. And the reason I love it is because what I really believe about your age is you really want to find what matters. That, that you're really looking in life to find what truly matters. That, that, that I believe in your age more than anybody. Everybody wants to find what matters, but I believe in your age, you're searching for what matters the most. And, and you wanna find that thing that gives you value, that, that gives your life meaning, that you're like, yes, this is it. And that's what I want to, to go after. And, and unfortunately, not everybody figures out what it really is. 
So we'll try all kinds of different things that, that we'll try to find what, what matters in, in well, maybe in, in drugs or alcohol or partying. And that happens at your age group a lot, and you know that, all right? That, that with the students I work with at Coastal, it happens all the time. Literally, the, the, the catchphrase for Coastal Carolina University is the students will say this, it's not college, it's Coastal. And, and the reason they're saying that is half of the students, there's about 12,000 students at the university, half of them come from New York, New Jersey, every, everything Northeast, and they're coming because they just simply want to go to college at the beach. So it's not college, it's coastal, and there's all kinds of partying, all kinds of, uh, of, of that style of lifestyle where people are going, maybe I can find life here, maybe I can find what matters here. I was literally just talking with a, a girl just last week, her name was Kathy, and, and Kathy comes to um, our church and, and has since she's a freshman, started back in September. And uh, she met with me, and as she was meeting with me, um, she, she said, Josh, I, it's just, it isn't working. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I, I come on Sundays, and I'm all into Jesus. But the other six days of the week, I'm all into the party scene. And, and I'm just trying to live this double life, and I'm trying to, trying to find it here, and I'm trying to find it there. And, and what I'm realizing is that, that the alcohol, the drugs, that, that that's not working. That, that we're trying to find meaning there. That, that sometimes we try to find meaning just like in adrenaline, in adventure, in risk-taking. Any of you here like adrenaline junkies? Anybody? Like any of y'all ride roller coasters? Who rides roller coasters with your hands up? Okay, so you're, you're kind of my people. You're a little bit of the adrenaline junkie. Like I thought Josh Bailey was an adrenaline junkie because the way he used to drive his pickup truck. But one day Josh and I were in Ohio and there was a high ropes course. And I said, Josh, will you go on this high ropes course with me? It, it's like mandated that you have somebody with you. And he's like, let's do it. And we climbed up there. I started and he chickened out and left. <laughs> Josh, I still remember that. <laughs> you do too. <laughs> Some of you are adrenaline junkies. Some of you will try to find life and, and purpose and all that inside of adrenaline, but it never lasts. The drugs, the alcohol, like, like for Kathy, it didn't last. It didn't fill the hole. The adrenaline doesn't fill the hole. Money, success, wealth, that doesn't work. I mean, you've probably heard the, the quote from Tom Brady after he won his third Super Bowl. And Tom Brady, as much as it hurts my heart, arguably uh, the, the greatest quarterback to ever live. I'm a Peyton Manning fan, so it's hard for me to say that. But after his third Super Bowl, he said, God, there has to be more than this. I mean, here's a guy who has everything, but it's not filling this, that, that hole. That, that maybe we tried in, to find what matters. We, we try to figure it out, maybe through our influence, through our social media channels, through our followers, stuff like that. Got a good friend in my church, young adult male, and he, he is an influencer on social media. I mean, thousands upon thousands of followers, millions of views. But he will tell you it's not doing anything for him, that he's not finding his purpose there. And, and I think the reason we don't find our purpose in any of that, we don't find what really matters in any of that, is because it can't fill that hole. Uh, there was a mathematician, philosopher named Blaise Pascal. 
Pascal, excuse me, he said it years ago that he said that we all have a God-shaped hole. And then we have to fill it, yet we try to fill it with other things. C.S. Lewis, who is an author, and you've watched some of, or read maybe some of his books, watched movies that were based on some of his books, uh, he, he said this. He said that, that if I find myself, find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can fulfill, then I must be made for a different world. I must be made for a different world. Uh, Solomon, he, he said it this way. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. And, and before I read it, just to, just to make sure we catch up, uh, I know Doug last week talked about Solomon, and he, and he set up Ecclesiastes and about how Solomon was a wealthy man and a wise man. He had everything, but he, he couldn't find his purpose. Solomon in chapter 3 wrote this. He said, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. Now, now I, I want to pick this verse apart, but, but I want to start just with the middle. That, that I want to start in the middle, and in the middle, as you see it, it says this, that he has also set eternity in the human heart. That we are hardwired, every one of us, every human that has ever existed, has been hardwired in our DNA, in our soul, to connect with God. And when we don't seek out God and we seek out other things, it will always leave us with a void. I think about a young adult named John. I met John five weeks ago. That, that he came to our church, um, to our young adult gathering on that Sunday night. And uh, I met him out front, and, and I, you know, introduced myself when we were talking. I was like, dude, how, like, how'd you get here? Like, how'd you hear about it? He goes, literally, I was sitting at home, and I Googled churches open late near me. And your church came up, so I showed up. I was like, great, dude. I'm glad you're here. Come on in. Make yourself at home. And, um, and he got connected with one of our leaders named Adam. And uh, afterwards, Adam and him started connecting some more. Th that night while we were there, we, we kind of did an old school youth ministry thing. And we were starting a series on the cross, and we had a big cross in there. And, and uh, we handed out cards to everybody. We had people write their name on one side. And on the back side, I had them write, what have you found in Jesus? Or why does Jesus matter to you? Or when did you meet Jesus? Like, we use that kind of language. And then I said, and if you haven't, if you don't know Christ, then, then maybe just write down today's date. That maybe today is a day that you'll start to investigate. And we didn't make people do this. We just made it available. And, and a lot of our young adults, they went up to the cross and they, they pinned it to the cross. And, and, I, and I saw John go to the cross. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know his story, though. I just knew his name. And then, like I said, after service, Adam connected with him. And Adam started talking to him. He's like, dude, like, so tell me more about what's going on. He goes, well, I'm an atheist. He goes, well, what do you, what do you mean you're an atheist? He goes, like, like I'm full-on atheist. My mom, my dad, full-on atheist. Like, like we do uh, no religion in the house. There is no such thing as God. I've read all the books. I've followed all the people. And Adam had done a lot of studying in that area. So he was able to talk, you know, with the same, you know, people and that, that John was kind of following 
And they started having a deep conversation. And by the end of it, John said, well, I don't know if I should call myself an atheist anymore because, well, at least now I know that I'm at least searching for something. A little bit later that week, John and Adam got together for coffee. At the end of their time and their conversation, Adam had explained the gospel to him. And John said, I, I, I want that. And I, I met up with John the following Sunday night. And he said, dude, my life's never been the same. Like, I finally found something that is connecting. And guys, I personally understand that as well. Uh, I don't know your all's story, but my guess is some of your stories is like my story. I didn't grow up in church. Didn't grow up with, with parents that, that believed in God or at least practiced any kind of faith in God. Um, I have a, a great stepdad, but, but I don't know my dad. Um, I mean, I know his name, but I never met him. And uh, that kind of wrecked me when I was young, knowing that, that he didn't want to be part of my life. And, and it sent me searching down some, just some bad paths. I can tell you when I was in second grade, I tried drugs for the first time in my life. And, and the only reason that happened as a second grader was because I had a babysitter who used drugs. And she knew if she got me doing it, then I wouldn't tell on her. But from there, it just got worse and worse through the rest of elementary, the rest of middle school, the rest of high school. I tried anything to find satisfaction. I, I tried anything to fill that hole in my heart. I tried anything. I was searching for something that would work. And so I tried the drugs. I tried the alcohol. I tried, you know, partying. I tried, you know, relationships, athletics, you name it. But nothing fully worked. My senior year, I messed up. Thought I was going to be going to jail. And I remember going to my bed and just sitting down. And, and again, I, I didn't know God. I had never met God, hadn't been to church. But I sat on my bed thinking, my life's over. And I just remember bawling. And I, and I prayed to an unknown God. And when I say unknown, I mean unknown. My prayer, I remember my exact words. My exact words were, God, I don't know if you're there and I don't know if you can hear me, but if you can, help me. And I prayed that prayer over and over and over as I just cried myself to sleep. Now, when I woke up in the morning and got up, nothing was different in my life. I want to make sure you hear this. I, I didn't accept Jesus that night. I didn't know who Jesus was. But, but all of a sudden, things started to change around me. I, I I went to high school, I went to class, and all of a sudden people start talking about Jesus around me. Maybe they always had been, but, but I wasn't attentive to it. But all of a sudden, I, I start to hear what they're saying. I, I had some people invite me to church, and I went to church and had a good time, and then went again, and then went again, and then there was a youth retreat they were doing down at like a Christian camp uh, just south of Indianapolis, and they invited me to go, so I went, and, and while I was there, uh, one of the guys, another teenager, just another teenager, same, same age as me, was talking about Jesus, and he said, dude, you don't know anything about Jesus, do you? I was like, mm-mm. He goes like, you don't know the story of Jesus. I said, nope. And he shared me, shared with me the story. And I just felt like my heart was going to bust. And I felt like my heart was going to bust because remember Ecclesiastes? It says God has woven eternity on our hearts. 
So I just felt like my heart was going to bust in the moment. And, and he told me about Jesus. And then he said, you know, all that stuff that you say that you feel guilty of and that, that you're worried about, like you can all be forgiven. I'm like, how? He said, just ask Christ into your life. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, repent and get baptized. And I was like, what's that mean? He said, repent means tell God you're sorry. I'm like, okay. And he said, baptize means that, that you get dunked in water. It's, a, it's to help you kind of symbolize Jesus and put Jesus on. And I was like, okay, I want to do it. He's like, all right, great. And I said, like, I want to do it now. He goes, you mean you want to do that right now? I said, if you told me that I can have this forgiveness and I can have Jesus in my heart, then I want to repent and get baptized right now. And he's like, you do realize it's two o'clock in the morning? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. So we went and woke up to youth pastor. Youth pastor's like, well, oh, okay. And we walked down this gravel road to where a lake was at this Christian camp. And we walked into the water. He took my confession. I repented and I got baptized. Now it was November 1st in Indianapolis. Freezing, okay? And I came out of the water and I, I can't even begin. Well, maybe you felt it. Because some of you remember the day that you came out of Maybe that water or a different baptistry or a river or a lake or something. Man, everything changed. All this searching I'd been doing, it seemed like all of a sudden, in a moment, that eternity came alive. And finally, I found what mattered. And I remember we, we, we got up on the gravel road and we were walking back towards a cabin. And as I was walking back towards the cabin, I looked up into the sky and it was a starry night, like tons of stars. And I just remember, like verbatim, I remember saying, God, thanks for hearing my prayer. You see, it had been about six weeks earlier I'd said that prayer. And I looked up to heaven and I said, God, thanks for hearing my prayer. And no joke, I'm not making this crap up. Immediately, a star went shooting across the sky. Like immediately. And like all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, whoa, is that real? Now I've come to a, to a good understanding today. I believe this. If God can hang them, then God can flick them. <laughs> That's what I believe. And I believe that night he was saying, I hear you. I see you. You found what matters. And man, I want that for you as well. I think that's what the Apostle Paul wanted for us as well. He wrote it to the Philippian church, a bunch of new believers. He wrote them a letter. It's Philippians chapter 1, and it's verse 9 and 10. It'll be on the screen. It reads like this. It says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more, that your love for Jesus will grow, that you'll allow him to come into your life, that you'll allow that, that thing that you are hardwired for, you'll allow him to come in and then your love for him will grow and grow. And you will abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best. I love the way the NLT says it. The NLT there in verse 10 says this, so that you may know what matters. That if we, our love will grow, if our knowledge will grow, we can come to a good understanding of what matters. And what matters is Jesus. 
And if we'll surrender our lives to Jesus, then what will happen is that eternity, the way that we're hardwired, it will come into, or maybe I should say it this way, you will come into sync with God. And when that happens, well, then you can understand that every day matters. Then you can understand that no matter what you're going through, well, I can handle it because I found Jesus. See, let me go back to Ecclesiastes 3.10. Because I think when we catch that part, well, then we can understand the rest of it. When we understand that, that our hearts are hard, hardwired for eternity, we can understand the rest of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 reads like this. Okay, again, remember, he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Now look at this last part. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, Brody, let's leave that up there for a while because I want to I keep coming back to it. That then no one can fathom. Guys, we can't understand all that God is up to. We can't. Like none of us have a clue on everything God is up to. We never will because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Yet this is what I know, that if I understand Jesus, if, 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 if I recognize that Jesus matters, that eternity is on my heart, that Jesus is on my heart, well, then I can trust that God, Jesus, that, that he's got everything figured out from beginning to end. Which if we understand that, now, now I'm, I'm going to take you on a brain circle here for a second. If we can understand that, then you can understand the first part of the verse. If I don't understand eternity is on my heart, if I don't understand that God has everything figured out and we can't, well then I can't understand the first part. But if I understand that Jesus is what really matters, which means eternity is on my heart, and that he's got it all figured out, well, then I can look at the first part of the verse and go, he's made everything beautiful. In its time. That Hebrew word there, you could say he's made everything good in its time. The better translation of that Hebrew word is he's made everything appropriate in his time. Everything is appropriate. Think about this. Your singleness, it's appropriate. It's beautiful. It's good. And I I know for some of you, you're like, "Uh uh-uh, singleness ain't good. Like, like, I want something different. I get it. I totally get it. Yet, Yet too many times we get so worried about our singleness and we fret so much about it that we think, well, God's left me. No, he's making it appropriate, good, beautiful in his time. Because if I understand Jesus matters and that he's got it all figured out, well, then my singleness in the moment is okay. And in my singleness, I just need to grow in my love for Jesus. In my singleness, I need to grow in my depth of understanding of God. Because in my singleness, I can find out what really matters. Uh, In in my position, my position in life where I'm at right now, it's appropriate. And here's what I mean. A bunch of you said you're in college. Several of you, a bunch of you said that you're in the workforce right now. It's appropriate. It's beautiful. It's good. And some of you are like, I just want this semester to end. I just want this year to end. I'm so tired of that class. I'm so tired of this school. I got to transfer. I'm so tired of this. I mean, I'm a senior. I got to get done. No, where you're at is appropriate. It's good. 
and God will make it beautiful. Some of you are in the workforce and you're just like, man, I just wanna get to this position so bad. I have this big career dream and I'm right here. Well, right there's where you need to be right then. Guys, I shared that I had this dream of going to be a lead pastor so I could do more student ministry and more young adult ministry. I had that dream. I shared that dream with, with Jerry Harris, who, who is a pastor on staff here. I think, I don't know his title, okay? But, but I shared it with him. He goes, I believe in you, Josh. I believe that's right. You can stay here as long as you need to. And when that door opens, go. It took two years for that door to open. For two years, I'm like, come on, come on, God, come on, God, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. No, God had things he needed me to learn still so that he could send me. Don't try to microwave your position. Don't try to rush through it. He makes it appropriate. Here's something else he makes appropriate in his own time. Your pain. We don't like that one. He makes your pain beautiful in his own time. He makes it good. He makes it appropriate. The pain that's maybe coming from a loss of a loved one. A pain that's coming because a family member is diagnosed with cancer. The, the pain that is there because of some abuse in your past. Uh, pain that, that maybe is there because of a sexual decision you made or a decision somebody made on you sexually. That there's pain. And I know, I, I know that when we feel pain, we're like, it's not appropriate. I don't want it. True, none of us wants it. I get that. Yet if I know Jesus matters and I matter to him, that he's put eternity on my heart, he's hardwired me to be in an intimate personal relationship with him. If he's hardwired me that way and he's got everything figured out, then I can trust him with my pain. Because in my pain, he'll make it beautiful and good and appropriate all in time. One of our young adults, she's on her staff. She shared her testimony with our young adult group last week. So I feel at liberty to, to share it here. That she was sexually abused when she was a child. And she never did anything with it. She has dealt with it or lived with it, hidden inside of her. It's when she was in college that it really started to surface. And the pain of the past became unbearable. And she finally decided to, to get some counseling, to get some therapy, and to start dealing with it. And she'll tell you that, that there was days that she'd be in her, in her kitchen at home and she'd be throwing dishes everywhere because she was just uncovering and, and peeling back the layers of the pain, and it hurt. And I can't imagine what she went through. And what she had to go through is not right. But what God has done with it, is he's now used her to help others. 
Because as she shared that testimony, she said, you know, the pain of the past is not good. But I've learned to find healing through Christ. So now she was able to share her testimony with other girls in the room and other guys in the room who needed to hear that there is healing on the other side. And she says, it is well with my soul. That's what she really says. That's what she said to a group just like you guys. And I know some of you right now, you're going through some pain. And that pain might, might be because of abuse. It might be because of a broken relationship. It might be because of cancer. It might be because of something. I want you to know you can find healing. He can take even the worst stuff and make it beautiful. Where you can say, it's well. You might be like, I don't want to be single. It is well. I don't like my position right now. It is well. Why is it well? Because God has put eternity on my heart and I'm in a right relationship with him now. And he's got it all figured out. And if he's got it all figured out, it is well. We hear that. If you're searching for life and meaning and purpose and all those other things that I was searching for it in, it's not well in your soul. But if we come to find out that we have this relationship with Jesus and that he's got it covered, and he'll make everything good in its time. So I want to invite you just into a time of response. And for you, that might be taking communion. We'll do that as a group later. I'm sorry. But it might be coming up to the steps and praying. It might be grabbing a hold of a friend saying, man, I got to talk. I got some deep pain and I know God's going to make it better in time, but I need to talk to somebody in the flesh right now. You talk to a friend, you talk to one of the leaders here. You might be here and have never responded to Jesus. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior so that it is well with your soul. Do what John did and found out it is well with his soul. I got to baptize John Sunday night at our Easter young adult service. Former atheist, now follower of Christ. It is well. Hear that. Receive it. Sing it. Let's join in with Jen and Marquise. And let's worship and let's respond. Let's do that, church. With my soul.